0: Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. My guest, uh, Dr. David Canton, director of African American Studies program at the University of Florida in Gainesville, and uh, the story a David came up uh, about Utah. The story out of Utah, uh, students choosing or not to choose black history by the way this is ironic during black history black history month um and it said the school's director and this was a charter school said students were exercising their civil rights so first of all what do you make of that comment
1: well, good morning, Joe. Good morning to your listeners. Obviously, the comment makes no sense. If anybody wanted to have their civil rights or human rights, not to take a class, should have been black people who were allowed to go to classes in white schools that taught black people had no history, and are hostile to black folks. The reality is black history, African American history is American history, and will help teach U.S. citizens you know, the contributions and what central role that African Americans played in this history.
0: And and so, where do you put the blame? Do you do you put it with the students? Do you put it with the parents, uh, with the uh, administration at this charter school, or all of sure. the above?
1: All of the above. So it came from the top. Oh, no, parents. It probably the parents who, who probably said to the director, you know, we should have an opportunity to opt out. The director probably assuming it was a larger amount of white parents because the school is seventy percent white parents. And then he puts this legislation, this term out, and then mm-hmm. once the word get out, and like what you said, Joe, the next day, the NAACP president in that area called up, and now they, back, they backtracked on that statement. So again, Oh, I, I,
0: I'm sorry, I wasn't aware of that. because okay, yes, I just I was read wondering. that last night. Yep, they called okay. on Saturday,
1: and they backtracked the next day. So again, they did something about it, but definitely the, the person who runs the charter school and those few parents that believed in that, you know, opting out.
0: You know, it's also ironic, is it not, that this would come from the Latter Day Saints, and and the reason I bring that up, they were anyone who knows their history, and isn't ironic? I, as a black person, know the history of the persecution of Mormons in this country. One of the reasons Correct. they ended up trapped, you know, settling in D- in Utah, um, and chased out of chased out of. Indiana, primarily the Midwest. Uh, But then look at the history of the Latter-day Saints as it relates to black people. Go ahead.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. So we also know in the 1950s, because many were polygamists, the U.S. government came in and took their children away from them. So definitely there was that history of persecution. We also know there's a large population of Mormons in that state, and initially black folks couldn't join that church, but now all of a sudden— they want black folk in that church. They want that black folk money. So, again, we don't know who the, if the parents are Mormon or not, but definitely in February, Black History Month, this comes out. I'm assuming maybe these parents seeing all the changes that African-American voters, black studies programs, and in their mind that their children shouldn't have to take this or has to be forced. They need, quote-unquote, American history, i.e., white history. But obviously we see that that's, that's totally wrong, and incorrect. And they changed their decision the next day, which was the right thing to do.
0: And, and let me, uh, on, you're at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Uh, you know, why is this history, and, and I, I'm asking a question and I, I know the answer to, but, <laughs> but why is it important for it to be on a college level? Great question. Because unfortunately, Joe,
1: we know for many, the K-12 through curriculum made some changes, but we still got years to go in terms of really identifying how African history, how racism and these issues are a central part of the culture. So by the time they get to the college level, you realize so many students say, man, Dr. Kent, I never heard of all these individuals. When I was in high school, we didn't have this. We didn't have that. You know what I tell them? I said What's the same that? thing when I was in high school in the 80s. So, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's frustrating on the one hand that, yes, you see these changes, but you know, at the core, it's that K-12 through 12 social studies based on making you a good citizen rooted in American exceptionalism and myth-making. So when they come to college and become critical thinkers, it forced them to say, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense.
0: And how does that impact, let's say, their lives as adults after they leave a college campus and maybe uh, they get started in, in business or whatever, they, whatever occupation they choose?
1: I'm glad you asked that. Again, students, when you come to African American Studies or any major, it's about acquiring a set of skills, like a, like a, a karate artist, right? a set of skills, critical thinking, writing, and working with groups and teams. So when you get to the business world, if you have a black woman manager or a black person or LGBTQ or African-American male, you know the rooted stereo and the gender and racial stereotypes, you know they're incorrect. When you hear them at the water cooler, you know you might you say something about it. When you go home for Thanksgiving, you have Uncle Charlie making up some racist stuff. You check them on it. So it really forces you now to become a critical thinker and engage in these ideas, and it's good for business. As everyone's finding out, listen, if you're to black people, you can't say this, you can't say that. Listen, we look at the boardroom, where the black uh, uh, corporate leaders. We talk, we talk about the NFL. So that's all the, it's a domino effect, a ripple effect when you major in African-American studies, but unfortunately, because, like you said, how we've marginalized our culture, white people, right, that we think this knowledge, this content, is devalued. So in other words, I'm just going to read the New York Times and reading black publications will not help me. But the reality is when you read both, like I tell my students, you got checkmate on your opponent. Because they're not reading the black stuff. So I read the New York Times and Black stuff, and I got checkmate and we have a debate.
0: Does it have global implications? Because we always talk about this global economy. And the reason I a reason I bring it up, I look at uh, like for example uh having been on the the continent of africa um, mm-hmm. and and man and and we a lot of people may or may not know this, but the Chinese, for example mm. are all over Africa yep. doing business um and and if we live in a, on a what Dr. King referred to as a, a global village, now more than than ever, uh, is, is it, it would seem to me that college students uh, would want an advantage in being able to attend a a, a, a class like yours, a course like yours.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Let's look at it. As we know, Black History Month is February by Carter G. Woodson. In 1922, he wrote The Negro in Our History, and the book started in the continent of Africa, right? So that's the challenge. So for many African Americans, black history is not 1619. It goes back to the beginning. But we know in this country how the West decimated Africa, Tarzan, all the garbage. They don't wear shoes, all those uh, racist stereotypes. And we know there's no African history in this curriculum, so what does that mean? It's devalued. So if I'm a kid in New York, it's not in my socialization to get a job in Accra, Lagos, you see what I mean, or, or work in uh, 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 Zimbabwe. So, again, with African American studies, because it's diasporic, we start before 1619. We talk about Afro-Caribbean. We talk about African history. We do study abroad in the continent, in the Caribbean. is designed with a global African diasporic mindset. You can work in London with black people. So wherever you see people of African descent, it's not one of, of uh, uh, contention. It's one of commonality. How can mm-hmm. we connect as people of African descent? Because, again, what I try to do, because I know how students are socialized, is disrupt that myth. We have nothing in common with Nigerians. You know, all oh, the Jamaicans are this, all of the garbage. We're trying to bring these folks together.
0: Uh, last two things: one, uh, the, the, your your two things. One, the your podcast is heard when and how can people hear it?
1: Oh, I appreciate that. It's called the podcast for your punk ass. It's on SoundCloud <laughs> and uh, uh, what's that Google i uh, Google Podcast. It deals with race, class, history, and, and we have some hip hop on there. Been doing it for like the th- three to four, three years. We got about 42 episodes. And we started with the whole C- Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And, you know, we just said, let's put our voices out there. So it's called the podcast for your punk ass. It's on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. And it comes like every two weeks, we get an episode out. But I appreciate that. Uh, shout out, history. And the episodes are timeless because Austin's a historian you know, those stories continue. So it's not just sports and scores and who's better than you know, this I, I, and Kareem I'm just, and that. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm curious, Dr. Canton, how did you come up with that title?
1: My producer, Jerry Beeks. you know, initially we are going to go with Dave and Beeks. you know, like Dave and Buster. I'm like, y'all know, man, I'm a professor. I don't know, that might get me in trouble. He said, Dave, trust me. So that, that name, he came up with it, the podcast for your punk ass. So you can remember it, it catches your attention, and you can go to your iPhone or listen and listen and get it anytime, so... Shout out to my friend Jerry Beeks, my producer.
0: Now and and then, uh, let we should also say you are in the final. Uh, I guess we well, we say editing, <laughs> writing of uh, finally. Everybody is saying, Madison, you got to do memoir. <laughs> you got to do a memoir. And you know, we uh, I I tell you, the person I thank you so much for uh, uh, taking the time with all the the. The studies you have the classes you have um and i know you've you've written several books um we're in the final stages of it um it's been it's been a journey i guess is the best thing that i can uh uh say but people are uh, we're trying to wrap it up Um, right yeah, well,
1: you know it takes it takes time. You know it's one of those things where you know, like you had the PBS. I got this job here. Life happens, but uh, you just keep you know one day pecking away. So definitely, uh, it's been a great journey the last few years, and uh, obviously, definitely, uh, rest in peace to By- uh, Byron uh, Byron Monroe, who yeah. played a major role in this memoir. Yeah, he was and, uh, Brian,
0: uh, who the uh, he passed away suddenly. Uh passed yeah. away suddenly a couple of weeks ago and he was editing uh the the uh the and and the and what i re- realized first time i've tried to do this it really does take a team i mean yeah. it's amazing i mean you're i, I got to sit down with you and then you you're taking me through well how did this happen how did that happen right and i'm going wow and so i have to think back how many years is this and what happened and then then brian comes in or came in Uh, Yeah. And he came in, Monroe came in and and he said, well, wait a minute, we got to edit this, edit that, Uh, because you because you're a, a, a professor, a scholar. The writing was different, wasn't it?
1: Correct. Right. So I'm used to long chapters. You know, I'm a historian and, you know, for academic presses, there's a method out there. So Byron comes in, Byron comes in and changes it. And it gives it that narrative memoir flow. So like you said, everybody has a skill set on this team and it's working out well. And when it comes out, your audience will definitely love, love the stories, many they've heard on your show, but go to more detail. And also it's inspiring, you know, and I think that's what you said about your show. Authenticity, inspiration, you know, put it where the goats can get it. And really, that really reflects your career on radio and your activism.
0: I mean, we even had the, we even got a, 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 I understand, a, a, just a brilliant brother who's designing the cover. You gotta get somebody to do that. I mean, it, yep. it's been it's been interesting. Uh, I, I'm just Correct. hoping I'm I'm just hoping we can, uh, and we're you know Brian, we we're we're dedicating the obviously the book to him. Uh, Correct. but, uh, uh, we're looking forward to it. And I know people are saying, well, when is it going to come out? We'll <laughs> let you know. We'll let you know.
1: Well, def- and, and also when it's ready, we'll talk about pre-ordering on your show and try to make these bestseller lists. I know you'll get all into that and your audience will definitely, yeah, we'll when you start sharing that information, they're going to see how this, how the
0: book game works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Thank you, man. <laughs> and appreciate one last this. point,
1: Joe, let me, let me, let me, my dad's on the line, Alvin Canton, you know, he's the one that got me all this history stuff. He's a loyal listener. In fact, uh Stephen A, him and he grew up with Stephen A's dad in St. Thomas. So next time wow. he Stephen isn't a, that Yeah, isn't so he was the best something. man at his
0: wedding. <laughs> wow. Wow. Isn't that something? Man, it's, world, a, a, it's a it's a small world. It really is. I interviewed the other day, um, and we're gonna play the um uh the uh, interview for uh four Ford Motor fun but um a name that I hope we never forget when it comes to uh, track and field. Mm-hmm. Edwin Moses, my Morehouse brother, your Morehouse. See, I knew you'd catch up on that. <laughs> <The Morehouse. laughs> and probably, probably the greatest hurdler in uh in Olympic history. But uh, we grew up in Dayton together. His father. Oh. Was oh. a major educator, uh, okay, and, and and you know he ch- he could have gone to any college he oh. wanted to. He chose Morehouse. Thank you, Dave Canton, and and the best of your dad. Forty-four. hello. Okay, forty-four. After here with Madison.